I hope you can say it's well with your soul. I know I can say that, and it's only because of Jesus Christ. And it's the only reason I can say that. And I can tell you right now, it's, it's times like this, I just, I just want to just praise Jesus Christ as much as I can. When I see him working in people's lives, see him working in, uh, behind the scenes, and uh, when the doctor tells you one thing and Jesus Christ says, no, I got something else for you, it's something else. And uh, I, I can see the Lord moving, and uh, he's been moving on my heart to preach certain messages, and it's amazing how the Lord will move on my heart, and, and I know it's not me, it's the Lord, and I'm, I'm, I just stand back in awe of the Lord. I'm like, Lord, just do whatever you need to do. And I pray that I can hide behind the cross of Jesus Christ. I pray this morning that as I preach this message that it will be Jesus Christ's words that you'll hear. It will be the words of the Lord. It will be the word of God. It won't be me. You won't hear anything from me. It will be from Him because we want to hear from Him. And I want to grow in grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. I want to get to know more of this Savior that loves me so much. I want to get to know more about this Savior that cares enough for me to make a home for me in heaven. Now, I've been preaching a series of sermons on uh, Elijah, the further adventures of Elijah. And Elijah, we found out in, at the, in the, my first sermon, Elijah in chapter 17, Elijah the Tishbite shows up and he proclaims a famine on the land, no rain. He's cutting the rain off. The Lord sends him. Then the Lord provides for him. So I preached a sermon on the provision of Elijah, how God provided for Elijah in all kinds of strange and mysterious ways when Elijah was sent down to the creek and he had ravens bringing food, bringing meat. And then when that dried up, the brook dried up. Then he went over and he met this widow woman that was about to die, her and her son. She'd have no food because of the famine. Well, God, created, God took that barrel that woman had and it never ran dry. God provided through that barrel the whole time. Every time they went to open up the lid of that barrel, there was, there was some meat in there, there, there was some meal in there, there was some oil in there, and it always provided up until the rain came and then it stopped. But God was always providing for Elijah through this widow woman and her son. And that leads us to chapter, we're at chapter 17, that leads us to verse 17. And we're going to pick up the story here. And it came to pass, after these things, that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick. And his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. So this widow woman's son's about to pass away. She, she's, he's about to die. And she said unto Elijah, verse 18, And she said unto Elijah, this widow woman said to Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? If thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son. Elijah, did you just come into my life so my son could get killed? So God could remember all the past sins I did? Is all this stuff bad happening to me because of the sins I did in the past? And that's the question. This woman's blaming God. This woman's blaming God for death coming into her life. And we're going to look at that this morning. Well, he might uh, ask me what uh, kind of answers I have for what's going on in your life and I have no answers but I know the word of God does and that's what we're going to look at this morning is what the Lord the word of God has to say about this woman's question to Elijah which was what have I to do with thee O thou man of God she's got mad and she's getting mad at God and blames God for the, for sickness and death coming into her life now I want you to turn back to verse 11 of the same chapter she had, a different, she had a different story. 
She had a different attitude. Verse 11, and she was going to fetch, and I remember Elijah shows up, and it says that this woman was going to fetch it, and he called to her and said, Hey, bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. Elijah asked this woman to bring me some food. Verse 12, and she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. She's kind of flipping about it. She's kind of flipping about dying. She's kind of flipping about starving to death. She was kind of flipping about it. Hey, I'm just gathering a couple of sticks together. We're just going to go eat something and die. I mean, she's kind of just throwing it out there. But things change when that angel of death comes knocking on the door. Seen it so many times in people's lives. She, you get a different attitude when the, the reality of death enters into your life, when the reality of, of what's going to happen to you enters into your life. Things change. I've seen some of the most hardened Hardcore atheists. Ah, there's no God. I don't believe in God. And when death comes knocking hard at the door of their life, they start softening up a lot. They start softening. You know, they say there's no atheists in foxholes. And what that means is that when people are facing death, when they're facing the, the, the reality of maybe dying, it, the, the truth of God and what's going to happen to you when you take your last breath, that becomes a real and evident problem in your life. And you want answers and, you, and you're afraid and you're fearful. And you start sometimes, sometimes it's easy to turn and start blaming God. Say, why is there death in the universe? Why, why, why are you bringing death into my life? Why is this happening? Why is my son sick? Is it because of something I did? Is it something that my son did? Is, are you trying to punish me? Uh, what, what, what have I done to you? That was her question to Elijah. She says, my sin. She starts thinking that God is using sickness and death to punish her. Now, there are instances in the Bible, and I'm not going to uh, sugarcoat it. There's instances in the Bible where God does use sickness and death to make a point, to punish people. Th that's happened in the Bible with David and Bathsheba, with uh, different people that, in Corinthians. You have different people in the Bible where the people in Corinthians were taking the Lord's Supper and they're taking it unworthily. And Paul says, some of you are sick because of that. So the Lord can use that, but he doesn't always use that. And you've got to understand that. And what happens is, look at John chapter 9. I'll show you. I'll begin to show you this. John chapter 9. What happens is, you start thinking that that's how God works, that God doesn't work that way. John chapter 9. Let's go to John chapter 9. They ask Jesus Christ the same question. They forget that there's two sides to every coin. Yeah, the Lord might be using sickness and death to punish you, but the Lord might be using sickness and death to get the glory from you. John, Gospel of John, chapter 9, verse 1. This is exactly what they asked Jesus Christ, what this woman's complaining about. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did this sin? This man or his parents? That he was born blind. So it's what everybody asks. Like, why did God do this? Why is this guy born blind? Did he do some sin? Was he going to do some sin? Did his parents do some sin? Is God punishing his parents? Is God punishing him? And that's the question they have. Even his own disciples are asking Jesus Christ this same question. The same question the woman brought up to Elijah. Verse 3, Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. 
So God can show his works, so God, so God can show his glory, so God can get glorified Amen. through this. This is why this is happening in maybe your life. Does that have anything to do with punishment? Have anything to do with God doesn't like you? God's purpose is to get the glory from you. And to blame God for death is, is actually the worst thing you can do. And I'm about to show that to you. The great truth is, is that God has used death to get the glory all through the history of mankind. Through Samson. Through different people. The greatest example of that is through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's no greater example than that. You say, how can you stand up and, and be so happy and be so joyful and be so happy and, and go through the problems you're going through and still have joy and still have a smile on your face because of the death of a Jew? Amen. Because of the death of a Jew hanging on a cross? Because there was a Jew that lived 2,000 years ago that walked on this earth and they took him and they killed him? See, that's the practical way to look at it. But the spiritual way to look at it is, yeah, that was a Jew, that was a man, but that just wasn't any Jew, that just wasn't any man. That was the Son of God Amen. dying on the cross so I could have a way into heaven, shedding His blood, giving His life so I might have eternal life. Amen. And you'll never understand that unless you have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior to understand how God can use death to get the glory. In your life and in his life and to get the glory on his name and on the name of Jesus Christ. He uses these things. The great truth is, the great truth is, the great truth is, if you listen to anything I say this morning, listen to what I'm about to say right here. The great truth is, sickness and death are simply just a part of life. That's just life. And all the healing, all the... All the healing we've prayed for, all the miracles we've seen happen, even the miracles you see happen in this Bible, where Jesus Christ right there, he goes on to heal this blind man. He goes on to ultimately heal this blind man. Jesus Christ went on from this story to John chapter 11. He raises a man from the dead. You can't get a greater miracle from that. Every one of these healings, these men and women, they eventually died. And we can pray and pray, and our prayer is simply not to live forever. Our prayer is to give us a little bit more time. Amen. Give me just a little bit more time so I can glorify you, so I can praise you. David went on to say this. When David was at the valley of death, David would pray to God in Psalms, and David would say, God, it's hard for me to praise you when I'm laying in a grave. It's hard for me to give you the glory when I'm laying in the grave. Keep me up. Keep me off of the bed of affliction so I can praise you. I can glorify you. Amen. And you can get the glory. But in the end, we all have to come to that valley of the shadow of death. Amen. And the Bible tells us why. Turn to Romans chapter 5. Turn to Romans chapter 5. The Bible's real plain about why we're having to do this. And it has nothing to do with our Lord God. Has to do with us. Romans chapter 5, look at Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Sickness and death has been a part of life since the very beginning of the creation. It's all because of one man. That man's name is Adam. And that happens to be your great, 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 great,
And when he committed that sin, he took of that fruit that Eve gave him, and he ate that fruit, death came into the world right there. Just like God told him it would. God warned him, and he didn't listen, and he took of that fruit. And when he had death come into him, and his blood was full of death, he passed that on to his son, and his son passed death on to his son, and his son passed death on to his son, and on and on and on and on till he got to your dad, and your dad passed it on to each and every one of you. But you can trace it all the way back to one man, Adam. Verse 11, verse 12. Look at verse 12, chapter 5, verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, that one man is Adam, and death by sin. You know why you're dying? Because of sin in your life. You know why you're dying? Because you got sin in that blood. You know why Jesus Christ was the perfect sacrifice? Because he didn't have any of man's blood in him. He had his father's blood. I thought you... No, he was born of a virgin, remember? He didn't have Joseph's blood in him. He had God's blood in him. Acts chapter 28 says that, the, that God shed his blood for the church. God shed his blood for the church. See, Jesus Christ, when he's hanging on the cross being the son of God, he's got God's blood. And he's shedding his blood, God's blood, for mine and your sins. The perfect sacrifice. Wherefore, by one man's sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all, all, A-L-L, all men, for that all have sinned. Everybody leave the sound of my voice is a sinner, and your dad was a sinner, and your grandmother and your granddad were sinners. Everybody's a sinner. Nobody, nobody's not a sinner. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned. All men. So death is passed upon all men. We all have to die because of sin. This is not God's doing. It's one man brought that in. That one man is our, our great-great-grandfather. It's his fault. Not God's fault. God set him up in a perfect environment. God set him up in a perfect environment. There's, Mr. There's, there's the perfect man with the perfect woman perfect environment. He could go lay down on the grass and no fire ants would eat him up. No mosquitoes were biting on him. Perfect environment. And he messes it up. Verse 13, for until the law of sin was in the world, but sin, now no, I'm reading this because I want you to know something. Sin is not imputed when there is no law. Underline that. Sin is not imputed when there is no law. If there's no law against it, it's not a sin. It's a sin because there's a law against it. And what that means, if you look at chapter 4, verse 15, chapter 4, verse 15 of Romans, I'm, I'm reading this for a reason, and I'll tell you why. Because the law worketh wrath. The law is what brings down death. Where, for where no law is, there is no transgression. That little child of hers, that widow woman's son... He wouldn't have went to hell. He'd have went to heaven. Every child that's not at the age of accountability, they go on to heaven because there's no sin is not imputed to them. They don't know the difference between good and evil. That's why every little baby that dies, every little child that dies, they go straight on to heaven. There's no sin imputed to them. They don't know the difference between good and evil. God's not accounting that to them. 
Do you understand? That's what those verses are telling you there. So this widow woman, she's blaming Elijah, and God just took, uh, was, took this old boy. He's going to take this son on to heaven with him. It's called the age of accountability, and that's what that, those verses right there tell you, and they teach you that. So you don't have to worry about little children dying, the Lord taking little children. You don't have to worry about, about little babies. The Lord's got them in his hands. You need to worry about yourself. Do you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? Say, so, well, I'm saved, Brother Keegan, I'm saved. Well, how about your spouse? Well, they're saved. I, I, I've talked to them. Well, how about your brothers and sisters? I witnessed to them. Well, how about your cousins, your uncles, your aunts? Okay, well, how about your coworkers? You see where this is going? How about those people you run into it? They need to know the truth of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 15. Romans chapter 5, verse 15. Let's continue on. I'm showing you what's going on with death while we're dying. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For through the offense of one, many be dead. Adam only did one offense, but we're all paying for it. Right? Okay. So the truth is, according to the Word of God, that Adam did one sin. So why does Keegan Hall have to pay for that one sin 4,000 years later? I didn't do it. You didn't do it. That's not fair. He brought it in. But is that fair? I'll answer for you. No, it's not fair. <laughs> if you think it's fair, I don't know. Why, would you, why is that fair? Neither one of us did that. But it's just part of life. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, Christ hath abounded unto many. You see what he just said there? Hey, if Adam, that one sin Adam did, caused you to have to go to hell, caused you to die in your sins, that's not fair. No, and God says, okay, that's not fair. I'm going to make one man take away all those sins. So by one man, you can have eternal life. By one man, death came into the world. By one man, Jesus Christ, you can get eternal life. So you know what men tell me now? That's not fair. You mean I can do all these different sins, I can be a sinner, I can be a murderer, and then I can take Jesus Christ, and I'll get to go to heaven. Yeah. If you take Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you repent of your sins, you're going to heaven. Man, it's getting quiet in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not fair that Adam is giving you this sin, amen. Well, you say, well, it's not fair that all that grace is given to me when he didn't earn it. That's right. <laughs> That's how God works. That's how God works. You can blame Adam, but you can't blame God. Amen. It's Adam's fault. What are you going to do when you look at God? You can't blame God. You've got to say, thank you, God. You've got to say, I praise you. I, I glorify you. You're wonderful. You're, you're amazing. Because by one man, look at that, the gift by grace. See that gift? Verse 15, but not as offense, so is, what is that? F-R-E-E, -E. it's given freely, it's a free gift. Jesus Christ is a free gift. Well, that's not fair, I think I should earn it. Well, did you earn sin? You were just given sin as soon as you were born. You were given sin, it's in your blood. That gift was freely given to you. <laughs> Even though you didn't want it, like, I don't want that sin. <laughs> 
I don't want that gift. Give it, get it away from me. But then God comes along and says, here, I got the cure right here. Jesus Christ. It's free. Well, I, I want to work. Not of works. Not of works. Not of works. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Amen. So we're going with this. You can blame Adam. That's who you should blame. Blame Adam. He did it. Blame him. Blame Eve. Blame them. But when you come to God, you can't boast to God and you can't blame God. You can only say, you're wonderful. Amen. Thank you. Because <laughs> I sure don't deserve this. Amen. Thank you. I couldn't earn it. I'm a sorry, no good sinner. Thank you for that free gift. Verse 16, And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift for the judgment was by one to condemnation. But the free gift is of many offenses under justification. It turns it around. One sin causes everybody to be condemned. One man justifies everybody. Amen. Praise the Lord. Oh, this, this, this word of God is so wonderful, guys. Go home, study this whole chapter. Just study it and cry over it, weep over it. There's God doing something great for you. Amen. It's a free gift. You say, why does everybody die? It tells you right there, Adam. What are we going to do about that? What's the world going to do about it? Not a stinking thing. Jesus Christ is the only one who's been able to do something about it. God sent Jesus Christ. He's a gift. He's a gift. He's a free gift. Verse 16. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation. But the free, the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. Verse 17, for if by one man's offense, death reigned by one. How's death reigning? By one man, Adam. That one offense. For by one man's, Adam's offense, death reigned by one. Much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. You see what he said right there? Much more they which receive. See, any gift can be offered but not received. And on, on the radio ministry, we, we have a little tag thing we put on the radio ministry. And that whole tag is telling somebody, hey, you got a free gift in Jesus Christ, but you, can re, you, can't, you don't have to receive it. Just because it's free, it's a gift, it's wonderful, you've got to receive it. You've got to take it. You got to pray and ask Jesus Christ to save you. You got to pray and say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Lord, I know that gift you're offering me is salvation through your precious blood. Will you save me? And he'll save you. Amen. You say, well, that's just too easy. Yeah, uh-huh. We'll try to lead somebody to Jesus Christ nowadays. Try it. Talk to some people and, and you witness the people. I uh, just witnessed somebody yesterday. He's trying to witness to them and they're just like, man, <laughs> Whatever. This is the best insurance you can have. Amen. The best insurance we can have. Do we not take insurance on our most valuable possessions? Our cars, our house. We put, some of us have such goods. We put, we put insurance on our, on our goods and our house. We have all this insurance, but then they forget to put life insurance on our soul. Amen. This is that life insurance. This is that free gift. It's free. It's by Jesus Christ. Look at chapter 6, verse 23. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. Blaming God for death. 
Blaming God for death is foolish. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Yeah, this, this is the verse right there. That sums up everything we were reading together in, in chapter 5. It's summed up right there. For the wages of sin is death. We're earning a wage. That's why we die. Everybody dies. Everybody sins. But the gift, there's that free gift of God, is eternal life. It's not just life. It's not just you. Listen. It's like I've preached about Ponce de Leon. He's looking for the fountain of youth. He's looking for the fountain of youth. But honestly, I wouldn't want to find the fountain. Why would I want to go and find the fountain of youth and dip in and say, come out of the fountain of youth? Oh, great, I get to live on this earth forever. (laughs) I get to pay taxes forever. I get to turn on the TV and see Antifa running around burning everything down forever. I get to be in sorrow and pain and misery and forever. This is not that life. This is eternal life that you have up in heaven. Through how? Through who? Through Muhammad. No, that's not what my Bible says. Through Buddha. That's not what my Bible says. Through the Pope. Uh, 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 that's not what my Bible says. My Bible says through Jesus Christ our Lord. Lord. You know Jesus Christ, but is he your Lord and Savior? It's not enough to say, oh, I know Jesus Christ, but have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you called out and asked Jesus Christ to save you in faith, knowing He's alive? He's a risen Savior. Have you prayed and asked Him to save you? Just believe on Him. Say, I believe you died for my sins. I believe you were buried and rose again on the third day. I believe and I believe that I'm going to go to hell without you. Would you please save me? I know I'm going to die, but will you please save me? He'll come in. He'll save you. It's, it's just that simple just that simple. Look at Hebrews chapter 2. Here's the great truth you need to know about death. Hebrews chapter 2. Here's the great truth that we don't talk a lot about it, but it's the truth. The Bible tells it. It tells us it's the truth. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 4. Here's the great truth about death. Don't blame God. You can blame Adam and here's somebody else you can blame for death. Here's who you should really be blaming for death right here. Hebrews chapter 2 Verse 14. Don't blame God for death. Don't blame God for sickness. Here's who you should blame. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. Talking about Jesus Christ. That through death, Jesus Christ died, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. You know who has the power of death right now? The devil. You want to blame somebody? Blame Adam? Blame the devil. He's the one that God's given the power to. How do you know that, Brother Keegan? Because I read my Bible. And I just read it out loud for you too. The power of death that is the devil. See, when I take my last breath, whenever that might be, and this soul gets ready to depart my body, when I leave this body... God's angels are going to be waiting on me. And they're going to carry me up to heaven. You believe that, Pastor? I believe that with all my heart and all my soul. But if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you take your last breath, the angel of death will be there. And you'll go down. 
It's all about Jesus Christ. You can't get around it. It's Jesus Christ and no one else. Verse 15, And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. See what Jesus Christ just did for you in verse 15? What did Jesus Christ do? When Jesus Christ died on the cross, okay, now you've got to understand what Paul's saying here. You've got to understand the concept, understand that, listen, I can tell you anything, and you'll sit there in that pew and say, prove it. There were many, many false messiahs at the time of Christ. Many false messiahs. The devil had plenty of false messiahs running around saying, I'm the Christ, I'm the Messiah, I'm the one, I'll lead you to God. And some of them are even talked about in the scripture where they led 500, 600 people away and they all got killed and the guy got killed. There's been many false prophets in the world who says, I'm going to die and come up and they die and don't come up. The point is, is that how do you know Jesus Christ is a Savior? How do you know Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Because he's the only one that says, I'm going to show you that I'm going to die and I'm going to come up. Remember when he's talking to Martha, and he says, Martha, in the res-, she goes, yeah, in the resurrection, there'll be many people come up. And Jesus Christ stared Martha right in the eye, and he said, Martha, I am the resurrection. Amen. Jesus Christ didn't say, God's the resurrection. He didn't say, right here, he said, I'm the resurrection. I'm eternal life. We'll prove it. Three days in the grave, up from the grave. Alive, a risen Savior. That's why your Bible didn't say through Muhammad, because Muhammad died, didn't he? Yeah. It didn't say through Buddha, because Buddha died, didn't he? Yeah. It didn't say through the Pope, because popes died, didn't they? It didn't say through a Southern Baptist Convention or through a denomination, because those are dead things that men make. We're talking about a man, Jesus Christ. It's through him, because yeah. he's a risen Savior. Yeah. And when he, when he went to die... And he rose again on the third day, and he's alive forevermore. He showed you, verse 15, to deliver them who through fear of death, are you afraid of dying, were all their lifetime subject to bondage. I'm afraid to die. I'm, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. And Jesus Christ says, don't worry about it. I've done it. There's nothing to it. And I'll, I, you know what? When we get to that valley, I'll take your hand and I'll walk you through it. That's Jesus Christ. Confucius, Buddha, I, I would even go so far as to say Muhammad. They'll give you some teachings of how to live on this world, in this world. And some of those teachings are not necessarily bad teachings. They're common sense teachings. Confucius, Buddha, give you teachings of how to live in this world. That's all fine and dandy, but that doesn't matter a hill of beans when you're laying in your bed about to die. What then? Evolution, atheistic teachings, Richard Dawkins, they give you teachings and they make you believe, okay, but when you get down and you're like, I'm about to die, what now? Charles Knight, the king of France, he said, what blood, what murders, what evil counsels I have followed. I am lost, I see it well. Until this moment I thought there was neither God nor hell. Now I know and feel that there are both and I am doomed to the perdition by the just judgment of the Almighty. These are men who were atheists that came to the last dying breath and this is what they had to say. All is dark and doubtful. Not for a Christian. Because I've got a Savior who's been there and come back Amen. and proved it. 
There's a lot of people that say stuff in this world, but Jesus Christ is the one that proved it. That's why the resurrection is so important to us Christians. Because you can't find his bones. You, can't, you go to his tomb, it's empty. When I pray, I'm not praying to a philosophy. I'm not praying to an idea. I'm not glorifying some philosophy or an idea. When I'm praying, when I'm singing, when I'm shouting, I'm shouting to a man that can hear me shout to him. When I'm praying, I'm praying to a man that can hear me pray to him. When I call out for salvation, I'm calling out to a man that can hear me and that can save me. This is a man that can walk through those doors right now. This is a man I can throw myself down in front of and kiss his feet. This is the man, Christ Jesus, that took the power of death away from the devil that I'm not worried about that anymore, verse 15. I have no fear. Go back to 1 Kings chapter 17. Way back to 1 Kings chapter 17. We need to finish this story. I need to, I need to hurry along. I need to hurry along. All right, let's see what happens. So this widow woman's son has passed away. She's blaming God. She's mad at God about it, mad at Elijah, that thinks it's because of sin. It doesn't have nothing to do with any of that. What it has to do with, it has to do with uh, God wanting to get the glory. And that's life. It's life. We're going to die. That's life. Ten out of ten. That's what happens in life. I mean, it happens to Christians, it happens to good Christians, it happens to evil people. Verse 18. And she said, Elijah, what have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? And he said unto her, Elijah said unto her, Give me thy son. And he took him out of her bosom and carried him up into a loft where he bowed and laid him upon his own bed. And he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, hast thou also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourn by slaying her son? He said, Lord, why are you doing this evil? I mean, why, why are you bringing this death in here? This is a good question, right? I'm not saying you don't pray and ask God, God, why did this happen? Why are you doing this? I mean, there's nothing wrong with praying that, right? Y'all don't ever question God? There's no amen. Y'all afraid lightning is going to come down and strike you for saying amen? Hey, you know, there's nothing wrong with asking God, Lord, why? Do your children not come ask you? Do your children not come ask you questions? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? You say, well, son, because of this and because of that. Is God not our Heavenly Father? Are we not children of God? Do we not, should we not say, Lord, I don't understand? Why are you doing it? Did Elijah, did I not just read Elijah did that very exact same thing? The greatest prophet to walk in the, New Te in the Old Testament asked God, why are you doing this? God, sometimes we live this life like, well, you better not question God. I mean, you're not questioning God like I'm mad at you. You question God like, well, why? And sometimes God says, I'm not going to tell you why. <laughs> okay, well, I just ask, you know. Move along, Keegan. You'll figure it out when you get to heaven. Right now, you've got things to do. Verse 21, and he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come unto him again. If you were in Sunday school class, we learned that the soul departs your body when you die. And that right there is what we were teaching. That's what we were looking at in Philippians. That right there shows you that soul left that kid's body, see? Let it come again. 
soul come into him again. Verse 22, And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came into him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house and delivered him unto his mother. And Elijah said, See, thy son liveth. Glory to God, that's a miracle. Amen. There's no other way to look at it. The Bible says God heard him. God decided, okay, here you go. Have him back. Glory to God, it's a miracle. But it's called a miracle because it is a, because what is the definition of a miracle? A miracle is something that doesn't happen every day. Sometimes we pray and say, okay, Lord, heal this person up or, or do this or do that. And God doesn't do it. And then we turn and get mad at God. Do we not learn that sometimes God wants to get the glory out of something? Amen. Let me ask you something. Let me ask you this. And this, this testimony we had this morning... Amazing. What's more of a blessing? Somebody come up here and say, I'm, I'm, I've got my health. I've got my wealth. I'm doing good. Me and my wife had the best marriage in the world. God is great. You'd be in the back going, ah, amen. You know? Yeah, I'd say I'd be praising God too. Or is it more of a blessing? When you have somebody come up here is dealing with what they're dealing with and say, God is good. What's more, how does God get the glory more than that? You don't think God gets up on the balcony and go, yeah. You don't think God doesn't get a great joy out of that? You don't think God didn't get a great joy when he sent the devil, let the devil get after Job and destroy all of Job's life? And Job, what did Job say? Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Amen. Wow. That's what Job said. Job said, though, talking about God, though he, God, slay me, yet will I trust in him. That's where a Christian's attitude should be. Hey, Lord, and that's what Paul said. Hey, if the Lord wants to take me, to die is gain. We read it this morning in Sunday school. Paul said, hey, if I, if I get my head cut off, to die, is gain, to, to die is gain. For a Christian, when you die, that's a gain. Amen. You're, you're, you're better off. That's what Paul said. He went on to say two verses later, if I die, I'm better off. Amen. And the world tells you, oh, you, you, no, no, no. And God says, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> you're better off. Verse 24, And the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that thou art a man of God, and that the word of the Lord is in thy mouth is true. You need a miracle to know that God is true? Are you going to need a miracle to believe in God? Are you going to need a miracle to keep trusting in God? That's what this woman needed. You know what, Jesus Christ, he talked about this story in the New Testament. In Luke chapter 4, he talked about this. And in Luke chapter 4, Jesus Christ talked about this. You know what he said? He said, there were many widows in the land at that time. But there was only one widow that Elijah was sent to. He said, there were many lepers in the land at that time. But there was only one leper that was healed named Naaman. Now, he's going, he was making two points. The first point is, these two, this widow woman and Naaman, they were both Gentiles like me and you. They weren't Jews. They weren't God's chosen people. But God used them and healed them. And the second point Jesus Christ is making is, those were miracles. Amen. And there's only one widow woman. 
and there was only one leper healed. Real faith, real faith is not saying, I believe enough that God's going to heal me or God's going to do this in my life. Real faith is praying and keeping believing when he doesn't do it. When you pray and you pray and you pray and you get the answer and it's no. What do you do then? Real faith says, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Real faith says, I got a mansion waiting for me in heaven. I've got heaven waiting for me. We read it this morning. No sorrow, no crying, no pain, no misery. My loved ones are already up there waiting for me. That's why Paul was able to say, to die is gain for a Christian, and I'm better off. Amen. Way better off. Amen. Now, do you believe that? Amen. It's easy for me to preach it. Some of us in here are living it. And I praise the Lord Jesus Christ that the grace he's given. Amen. I praise the Lord Jesus Christ that I don't have the answers, but I know a man who does. That man is Jesus Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you, Father, for your grace and mercy. Oh, Lord, you're wonderful. Woo! You're a wonderful God. I can't praise you enough. I can't thank you enough. Lord, every time I think I've seen it all, Lord God, you show up and show me something else. Lord, I don't understand why the world just keeps turning their back on you. If they knew the love that I have in you, Lord God, they, they would run to it. They would beg for it. They would give a billion dollars for the love that I have in you, Lord. Lord, I don't know why you love me. But I know you do. And Lord, I know that when I approach you, you're not sitting on a throne of condemnation. You're sitting on a throne of grace. And I know as I approach you in the precious blood of Jesus Christ, that I see you as a father and not as a judge. And Lord, I know in some of these times, Lord God, as a father, I just crawl up in your lap and I just want to be loved on. I don't understand why it's happening. I just need the love, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, for allowing me to crawl up in your lap and just cuddle up with you, Lord God, and for the comfort you give me. I thank you for your Holy Spirit that moves on my life, Lord God, comforting me, assuring me, and giving me hope. And Lord, I pray, Father, if there's somebody that doesn't have that assurance, that doesn't have that love, Lord God, that they would, by faith, pray and ask Jesus Christ to save them, Lord. Father, I'm not trying to give a plan. I'm not trying to give any kind of philosophy, Lord. I'm trying to show them the man, the man, Christ Jesus. Lord, I want to thank you for the men and women in my life that had the courage to tell me about Jesus Christ when I didn't want to hear about it. There was a time I didn't want to hear about Jesus, Lord, but they would tell me anyway, and I thank you for them, Lord God, and I pray a blessing on them. And Lord, I pray as we give this invitation, Father God, that your Holy Spirit will move, Lord God, and whatever needs to be done, Lord God, it'll be done in your people. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? 
You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now that's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18 he went on to say something interesting for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved so the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you but in verse 18 he says something that's amazing he says that he that believeth on him is not condemned he's stressing a faith it's putting your faith into Jesus Christ but he says there in verse 18 but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you, and until next time. Casting all your care upon him.